Welcome to An Apple a Day, a podcast, a resource, a community. Share your experiences and learn from others as we overcome barriers and learn to live a happy, healthy life with a disability. Welcome to the community. Here's your host, Jimmy Apple. Welcome to another episode of An Apple a Day. I'm your host, Jimmy Apple. How you doing today, my friends? You feeling good? You feeling strong? You feeling better than you did yesterday? Excellent. You can't ask for better than that. Man, we have got a good one for you today. We have with us today Zora Nattenblut. She wrote the book, Who is Zora? Sight Unseen. Now, before we get to Zora, Dave is going to share a highlight about Zora's book. Go ahead, Dave. Who is Zora? Zora was born legally blind, a secret that was kept from her by her parents and never spoken about in her family. She discovered it herself at age 8 in school. Zora hated being labeled, disabled, and suffered through having to read and go to school where she was bullied and called names. But Zora was not one to let others get the best of her, and she set out to prove to herself, more than anyone, that she was able. She persisted in getting her PhD in holistic health and became a holistic physical therapist who has helped hundreds of clients reach beyond their disabilities to achieve new possibilities. What she's been able to accomplish has inspired her mission to dis the dis in disability. In her new book, Zora shares her personal transformation from suffering, anger, fear, resentment, and self-judgment to her growing self-acceptance freedom, fearlessness, love, and gratitude. You'll be inspired to make changes in your own life to bring more happiness and fulfillment. Each chapter has action exercises to bring these lessons to life, including making peace with the past while living in the present, setting your sights high enough for transformation to occur, relinquishing old outdated stories to expand your perspective, recognizing that with age comes wisdom, insight, and healing. Thanks, David. (laughs) This book is just one of many accomplishments that Zora has made, but you are going to be amazed by Zora. I'm not going to keep talking. I want you to sit back, relax, and let me introduce you to Zora Nattenblut. I want to remind you to stay around to the end of the interview to get the free gift No strings attached, nothing to buy. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this interview with Zora. Okay, I want to welcome our new friend here today, Zora Nattenblatt. She's a retired physical therapist. And she's also a new author, the author of the book, Who is Zora? Sight Unseen. Hello, Zora. How are you today? I'm fine. I'm very excited to be on this podcast. I am so excited to have you here. I have done so much reading about you that I feel like I know you already. (laughs) So, (laughs) Zora, the first thing I want to ask, you said... You were born legally blind, and it's a secret that your family kept from you. Can you explain that? Well, my family, um, 
my parents are first generation Americans. Their parents were Eastern European Jews who came over to America before World War One. Their my grandparents' belief was stick to your own kind and don't tell anybody about anything about your family. So nothing about finances or numbers such as age after you passed your 18th birthday. Numbers were not talked about. Problems were not talked about. So I guess my parents went along and figured I must know that I have a problem, which I didn't. <laughs> At what age did you realize, or what? put it this way, at what age did they realize you had a problem? I think um, they, it was learned with somewhere between the age of one and two when I was being fed in the high chair, and I never reached for the spoon or, you know, opened my mouth until the spoon touched my lips. Then they tried to hand me things and show things, and it had to be within... Uh, three to five inches of my face before I would reach or grab or, or know something was, was there. So then my mother was a school teacher. Uh, my father was a dentist. They shipped me to every ophthalmologist, especially pediatric ophthalmologists that they could. And I went to pediatricians and every doctor gave the same answer. Your daughter is legally blind. We don't know why. Hopefully, this will be a stable condition, but it can get worse. Fortunately, it did not. Well, I would say so, because you went on to become, uh, you, you've got a master's degree and a PhD, and now you've written a book. So evidently, it didn't get much worse. Thank you. <laughs> now, I, I have a question, because just let's, clear up there's, there's such a thing as blind which is blind blind where you can't see anything and then legally blind so you can you can actually see right yes normal vision is 2020 legally blind is 2200 which means a person can see a normal sighted person sees things easily a a, a legally blind person standing 20 feet away needs needs to see stand 20 feet away where a, uh, a normal sighted person can stand 200 feet away from an object and see it well so legally blind means and there are many degrees of legally blind this is the label definition 2200 right so now you've written a book about who is Zora sight unseen. If you can, just give us a quick, what is the book about? The book is a memoir. It's my life story of how I didn't know I was legally blind. I was able to see enough to get about even as a, a young child. And I started the book because when I turned 65, I said, all my friends have accomplished something, have honors, and what do I have to show for it but a number? So I said, well, what can I do to prove to myself, I wasn't proving it to anybody else, that I'm okay, that I can do things. So I said, okay, what are the things I enjoy doing? Well, I like to swim. I'm a very good walker. 
so I made some challenges for myself. I said, okay, I'm going to do Susan Coleman walks for cancer research. I had people sponsor me. So I raised money for Susan Coleman and I did a three day, 60 mile walk around Philadelphia with three days, 60 miles. You 20 could, miles a day. Yes, could, you, I did that. You could be the, a Marine. <laughs> the first day I came home, we were, my husband picked me up and we were going to stop for dinner. I said, no, I want to go home. <laughs> I went in the bathtub and soaked and he made scrambled eggs. I went to bed at 7.30, went into sleep at 7.35. The next morning I woke up fine, went out for the next two days and did another 20 miles a day. I'm, it was such a rewarding thing for me. I didn't think I could do it. Oh, my But goodness. when it was over the celebration of look what I did, you know. <laughs> and then you had to write a book after that? <laughs> well, well, 10 years later, I said, whatever happened to my challenges? I mean, because I did challenges in many different areas. Right. And I said, nobody's going to believe I did it. I'm barely remembering it. So I sat down at my computer and I typed away all the different challenges I did. I did well, the physical ones were walking, swimming, and skiing. I did some educational ones. I did some spiritual ones. And as I said, I got donations to, from people to sponsor. And I was able to give Susan Coleman $5,000. Well, and bless. I, I was able, I always had long, beautiful, long brown hair. And at age 16, 20, 36 and 65 I cut my long hair and of course I'm a saver so I saved it and I sent it all to locks of love as a as a donation because I knew that they made wigs for people so so that was part of of my challenges and um, of course Family was very important, so we had many family celebrations and holiday celebrations and vacations. And the special bonus of this year of challenges, which I had no idea was happening, I lost 42 pounds. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. I, I might have been a little and, chubby. And but, you're, uh, you're worried about not, not leaving a mark? You've walked 60 miles, you've given given away hair, you, you've donated $5,000, and you felt you had to write a book after this? Well, no, I just wrote, I just wrote that chapter. I wasn't oh, writing that was this. just a chapter. I, this, was just a, this was just a chapter, so I would remember. And then I don't know how, I guess I got in the habit of getting up early and sitting at my, my computer and the next chapter seemed to just happen. Wow. <laughs> I just sat down. <laughs> and before I knew it, well, I had, to, of course, talk about my husband and my children. And, uh, you know, the most important people in my life. And then tell some funny stories, tell some um, silly things that happened. And, and just show how... Yeah, I am a person. I am a person who does things and has accomplished things. <laughs> you but, are. 
<laughs> so that's how that's how the book came about. That that's amazing. I'm still stuck on the sixty miles. <laughs> <laughs> I still walk, but I don't walk that far. And, and now that I live in Florida in a senior community. For everybody else's safety, I ride a tricycle. <laughs> <laughs> but I can ride, the whole community is 18 miles, and once a month I do that. Excellent. But most, most days when I, when I ride, I ride usually 8 to 10 miles a morning. Excellent. That, that's excellent. Unbelievable. But it's just, it, it's amazing. And you know what? you even I look at the book cover. You you're an amazing person because you you when I first when I first started uh, looking at this and getting ready for the interview, I'm thinking to myself, well, all right, I'm going to talk to this woman. It's about disability, and I'm figuring. Then I seen your book cover, and it's like, oh my god, this looks like something we might be talking about, like uh, New Orleans. <laughs> you know, you you. <laughs> You look like uh, we're ready for a party here. And you are very active for a person that says disabled, you know, that's that, that's talking about disability. And that's such a that's such a, a plus because, you know, you're disabled, but yet you're not letting the disability stop you. And that's but I'm sorry. Go ahead. I've seen disability from both sides, my own and as a physical therapist. Mm -hmm. I mean, I worked with people with many different kinds of disabilities. And I found that challenging yourself was one of the best ways. I, as a physical therapist, would say, you can do so many repetitions of this exercise, which will help your shoulder. Or you can do it because you want to do it to help your shoulder. Lots of people just mm -hmm. do it and don't put the right oomph in. You know, it's mm -hmm. bing, 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 I'm done. You right. know, I did my 20, whatever. But the people who who wanted to improve, it was amazing. And most of the people I work with seem to be able to do what I asked of them, you know, to, to work from the inside out, to feel what was happening, to know that there was, I might never be perfect, and there is no one who's perfect, but... I can deal with what I am given to deal with. Some days it's much harder than others. But then there are days where I want to put the flags out, blast the music and say, look what I did today. Exactly. exactly. And correct me if I'm wrong. A disability, to me, right, as a disabled person, I think 90% of the battle is in your head. I think if, if, if you have the right mindset, all right, you, the pain, everyone knows if you're disabled. And I try to get this through in the podcast. Yeah, let's get past the part that you're disabled, there's pain. We all know that there's pain. We all know that there's limitations. Okay? Get, get past that. But you have to get past your own head, too. You can't let your disability stop you mentally. Am I right? And I, I agree with you. And I think because my disability was a secret, I was never told... You shouldn't be able to do that. You couldn't do that. And my parents were very good to me in not saying that's too dangerous or they watched. 
but they let me do almost anything I wanted to. The only rule I had growing up was you may not cross the street by yourself. I lived in Brooklyn and Ocean Avenue was in front of me and it was two lanes of traffic in each direction and Flatbush Avenue, a big shopping street was behind me, the same thing. So what I would do, because it was Brooklyn, there were always people waiting at a traffic light to cross. Right. I would find a grandmotherly or if not a motherly type person and go up to the woman and say, excuse me, miss, <laughs> would you mind holding my hand as we cross the street? And these women would give me a smile or a pat on the head and take my hand and we'd wait for the light and we'd cross. As soon as I got across the street, I let go of the hand and ran away because I didn't want to be questioned. <laughs> but I would, you know, I was going to my grandma's house and I had to cross Flatbush Avenue. Sure. So. But, you know, too many people today, I think, put the restrictions on themselves. It, it, I, it's just, I deal with a lot of disabled people and I, I hear them say, I can't. And if there's one word that I, if there's one sentence I hate is I can't, I'd rather hear somebody say, I'll try than to hear them mm -hmm. say, I can't. That just annoys me. And I used to be like that. I used to say it too, to be honest with you. I can't. And and I would ask the person, why can't you? Exactly. And they could not really give me a good reason. And then I would go through, well, if you did this, look what would happen. What would happen? You know, look at all the positive things that would come from just trying to do something. You don't have to do it well. You just have to see if you can do it. Well, and yes, there will be some things that are really difficult for you to do so start with the easier ones well i understand too in the beginning there's fear i know yes. when i first got my first prosthetic there was fear uh, i'm not gonna lie i was afraid i was afraid and in my head i was saying i can't do this but i knew it was because i was afraid to do it mm -hmm. but you know what? you have to suck up that fear sometimes and just do it just give it a shot. What's the worst that's going to happen? You're going to fall down. So you're going to wipe yourself off, shake it off, get up. And either you're going to get back into a wheelchair or you're going to try again. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's that fear. You have to overcome that first fear. And too many people are afraid to even go against that fear, I think. Or it's just easy to say, I can't because I also find nowadays a lot of people are happy to sit back and let other people do for them. And that just irritates me. I agree with you. And many people have caretakers who overdo the Exactly. Doing. Enablers, I call them. Right. Which, you know, reminds me of we've we've all heard of Stephen Hawkins. Exactly. He had ALS and he was very debilitated. He developed ALS uh, when he was 20. Mm -hmm. Most people, when they were given the diagnosis of ALS, are fortunate if they live 14 or 15 months since the diagnosis. Right. He started with the disease at age 20, 
and lived to 76 year old and died in 2018. Correct. And as his body fell apart, his mind still was working full steam ahead. So you've got to you've got to think about that. If one part isn't working, maybe the other parts can accelerate in what they do. Of course. And you it just my see my wife is a great one at telling telling me. And since since this all happened to me, try yourself. Not that she's being in the in the beginning I thought she was being mean, but <laughs> She would tell me, try yourself. If you can't do it, I'll do it for you. But try yourself. Mm. She's a registered nurse, my wife. And, and she, she's a loving wife, I can tell. Definitely. Without a doubt. You know, she, she's always there to help. But she's always there to push, too. And I think that's, that's, that's what we need. Part of love. We need mm -hmm. that's that tough love. We, you know, she doesn't want to see me fall. She'll be the first one there to pick me up. And that's what we need. We're, but there's so many, like you said, there's so many people are, are there, to, the, the caretakers. And they mean well. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not blaming the caretakers. They mean well. But they just don't know, I don't think. They, mm -hmm. they think they're doing the right thing by doing everything. And they're not. That's, that's what they were taught to do as a caretaker. Exactly. Exactly. And I... Like I said, I don't want them. I don't. I'm not trying to make them bad guys, but they have the the. I I I actually put the blame on the disabled person because you have you actually have to wanna get up out of the chair. You have to wanna get up and do the do the work yourself. But anyway, <laughs> so but I'm not trying to make them. I'm not trying to make the caretakers bad people. But your experience. Your, your experience in your book, with you saying you want to take the dis out of disability. Yes. Yeah, which is, which is like such a positive thing because too many people look at disabled people and they're like, oh, look at the, the one-legged guy. Look at the, look at the lady with one arm. Look at, the, look at the person with the brain injury. How about just look at the guy over there or look at the lady over there? That's the way I, I see it. I don't ever want anyone to ever look at me again and say, look at the guy in the wheelchair. I want them to look at me and say, hey, here comes Jimmy, you know? And that's what I've tried to teach all my clients because normally a person says, oh, I'll be friendly. So they talk to the aide who's pushing the wheelchair. Yes. How can he do this or that? You know, he can hear and he can see. He can't walk. You know, talk to the person as you would a friend if you want to, you know, communicate. Or people turn away from people who um, are making noises that they can't control or have the shakes or are in a wheelchair or it's obvious that there is something different about them. You know, the normal person, maybe they're afraid it will happen to them. Who knows why, but they don't. I have a whole section in my book of how to deal with people in a wheelchair. Don't go up and say, I'm pushing you. Ask. Exactly. You know. Exactly. I have to tell you real quick. One of the things that annoy me 
immensely, immensely. And I'm a big guy. I mean, I used to play football. And I've always kind of kept that shape. But and I'm, I've got tattoos. and I, But I was in the hallway one day. And these people were coming down the hallway. And I'm talking to someone. And this little skinny girl comes by. And she says, oh, I have to move you. And she just pushes me out of the way. I was in the middle of a conversation with somebody. And she just pushed me out of the way. What am I, a piece of wood? You know, it's like a lack of respect for disabled people. And that's the part that irritates me. It irks me. And I always try to put, tell people, don't let people disrespect you because you have a disability. Demand Mm -hmm. respect. But the whole thing is, is you have to respect yourself first. Yes. You have to respect yourself because if you don't respect yourself, Nobody else is going to respect you. And I'm a firm believer in that, too. And I am, too. If a, di- if a disabled person, you know, people, for some reason, when you become disabled, I found, and I became disabled later on in life, you kind of lose a lot of self-confidence. When you, when you lose a, a, a function or a part of your body or something like that, you seem to lose some self-confidence. You have to gain uh-huh. that self-confidence back. And you have to gain back that self-respect. And you have to have that respect. In order for other people to respect you, you have to respect yeah. yourself. I don't know. I, you're, you're the expert. That is, that is so true. You have to say, this is who I am, and this is what I can do, not what I can't do, you know? Exactly. Um, and I know through life... Uh, as I said, until I wrote this book, and the book was uh, very emotional for me, it was still a secret. Some of my best friends, I would say, well, I don't have very good distance vision and change the subject. That was as far as I would talk about my uh, visibility problem. And, but I had learned from growing up, I would watch people, I'm a quarter of a step behind them. They think I'm parallel with them, but I'm watching their feet to know if there's a stone or we're going on a curb mm-hmm. or there's a stick I have to watch out for. You know, I, as a child, I learned to read body language, which right. says more than words. And um, that's, I think, how I got through life. But writing this book, there were many times different chapters. I would sit there, I would write that and say, I don't want anybody to know that. I must be crazy. And I rip up the paper copy that I just printed. Thank goodness I always had it saved <laughs> on the computer. But that piece of ripping it up, saying it's okay if you don't want to do it, you know that I, I gave myself permission to do and not to do. Right. And then when I finally got the book published, I said, "Oh, my friends are all going to shy away from me. They're going to overprotect me, or they're going to whatever." I, you know, I misread all my friends, I must say, uh, because they were so receptive to my book. They said, oh, we wish we knew this long ago. You know, uh, I don't know. You know, I know so much. You know so much about some people and you know so little about other people like myself who uh, 
I think my parents would be proud of me for finally coming out. Uh, <laughs> At least that's what my brother told me. I have an older brother. I'm, um, su I'm sure they would. I'm sure they would. Yeah, but they, they would. My, I think my parents were very open-minded and forward. I was never told this is too dangerous. You can't do it. My mother was very athletic. So I roller skated, I ice skated, I even skied. And one of my challenges was to ski a black diamond. Now I didn't ski it alone. I had an instructor with me for my safety, but I did it, you know? So uh, it's a matter of mindset. I know it's going to be difficult, but I really want to do it. So I'm going to, you know? I'll either be successful or not. If I'm not successful, I won't tell you I attempted it. <laughs> if I'm successful, I'm going to write about it in my book and boast. <laughs> I have to tell you, when you said ski at Black Diamond, I interviewed a fellow, I don't know if you ever heard of him, Chad Foster. He went blind when he was a teenager. And uh -huh. very active. You see, he reminds me an awful lot of you, to be honest with you. And... He went blind, completely blind, but he wanted to ski. And someone said to him, well, you can still ski. He says, I'm blind. He says, why are you going to put me on a mountain on two highly polished pieces of wood and send me downhill? I'm blind. Well, he skied a double diamond, double black diamond with the spotter mm -hmm. behind him. And he has, mm -hmm. a, he has a video on YouTube of him doing it. He yeah, you can be talk down the mountain that's, that's what i would you know don't go too far to the right there's a mogul which is a, a big bump that's um that's exactly what he told me on the left so when you turn slow down you know and that's what the instructor was for i probably would not have made it in one piece without <laughs> that's what he told me it's exact words he he, he said they call it a yard sale when you when you fall and every, yes. everything goes. He says, I had a couple of yard sales before. I was thinking, you had what? <laughs> you know, how do we go from skiing to yard sales? But he explained it. And that he, when you said that just now, you reminded me 100% of him. Skiing and black I diamonds. Seen, I have seen on the, on the mountains a group of blind people holding a rope. And skiing, you know, there, there's so much space between them. And there's an instructor in front of the group and one behind the group. And they ski just holding on to this rope so that they know whether they're turning left or right. And they're all synchronized. And it almost looks like a ballet. Really? Yes, I have seen that on different mountains. I, I don't... I don't ski anymore because my husband doesn't ski anymore. We got to a point where we said, we can do other sports. But when I skied, it was wonderful. I went skiing once in my life. This is back when I had two legs and I didn't have any problems. I went to Hunter Mountain in New York. I know that, yes. I went to the top of the mountain. I took the skis off and I made my way back down the mountain walking. It took me a while. And I sat in the lodge and I watched people ski for the next week, next couple of days. Never mm -hmm. did it again. I, I just couldn't do it. I was scared to death. But what you did was still miraculous. <laughs> I mean, that, you know, that is taking a challenge 
by the horns and saying, all right, I won't do it with those wooden sticks on my feet, but I will say I walked down this mountain. <laughs> yeah, explain that to my friends. <laughs> I was a teen. Lift up can be scary for the first couple of times. Well, there was only once. <laughs> once was enough. <laughs> okay. But uh, you, you've led an amazing life. My goodness. And yet, you, you try to tell me you're disabled. You're not disabled. You're just a, you're just a, you're just a person with a disability that doesn't let it bother you. That's... Yes, and it took a while. I mean, I think it had to do with not knowing I had a disability. You know, you only know what you know. You don't know how somebody else sees. And I thought I was doing everything that everybody else did. So oh, I must tell you one funny story that happened when I was in the seventh grade. Okay. Um, I was sitting, we were taking a science test and there was one boy who from kindergarten through eighth grade always pestered me, bugged me, put my ink, my long hair in his inkwell. <laughs> we wrote with pens that dipped in inkwells in those days. I was going to say but, it, it might've been me, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I'm sitting in the classroom and all the desks are right-handed. I'm a lefty. So I turn my body to face the right wall and I'm taking this test and halfway through the test. Oh, and the person monitoring, the teacher monitoring, monitoring the class was someone that the class didn't know. So I turn to look, you know, at the, the wall and I'm uh, thinking about a question and I guess I'm turning my head, looking down here and there and whatever. And this teacher comes over to me and accuses me of cheating. Hmm. And I'm open my mouth, I'm ready to cry. I'm not cheating. And this guy sitting in the back of the room who bugged me all through school gets up and says, teacher, she couldn't cheat as she wanted to. She's blind as a bat. <laughs> well, of course, hysterical, and I don't know whether to laugh or cry. <laughs> See, that proves that when a boy picks on you, he actually likes you. Yes, yes, he took me to the eighth grade prom. See? See, <laughs> See that? Yeah, <laughs> yes, but he bothered me all through school. <laughs> See that? Yes. Uh, well, Zora, it, this has been fun. This has really been fun. And your, your book, I've... I'm already a fan. I haven't re haven't even really read it yet. I've just read parts of it, but I am going to read it. Now, I also want to. Uh, you also have a book, a workbook. Yes. Can you can you give us some information on that? Definitely. My workbook is. Uh, you you will be able to get it by going to my web my website, which is beyond the website is beyondyourdisability.com. And the workbook is your success is just a challenge away. I tell you how you can make a challenge, how it is easy to do. It's like there are questions and answers that will lead you to doing, and you do the challenge, not something that someone told you to do, but you do something that's fun for you, that you want to do, that you would like to be better at. 
and you don't have to show it to anybody. But when you succeed, automatically, you're going to tell all your friends. I know that because that's what <laughs> I do. So please email and get my workbook. Do it at your leisure. It's no test, no, no red, you know, no stars, no whatever, uh -huh. whatever you get out of it. It's fine. Yeah, they, and you're not going to grade it. I, I think it will, it will help you. I found it helped me. And the other thing I have in my book at the end of each chapter, I have action exercises, something like a workbook that they help you find a certain part of yourself or something that you could do to improve your situation. It's not going to get rid of your situation, but it might make you more comfortable doing what you need to do. Excellent. Now, where is your book available? Is it available on Amazon? Yes. My book is in, available in paperback and Amazon, and I think it is also an ebook on Amazon. Well, I'm going to, in the show notes for this podcast, I'm going to have links for your book. I'm going to have links for your website where they Thank can you. go and download. They can download your your work uh, your workbook for free, right? At Beyond yes, Your Disability? It's a free gift, yes. There you go. You're getting a free gift from Zora. So make sure you go to beyondyourdisability.com. Download your uh, your workbook and get to work on it. It's time to stop sitting on your butt and feeling bad for yourself. Do something for yourself here and get better. I always say, if, you, if you're doing better than you did yesterday, you're doing it great. You can't ask for better than that. I, should, I agree with that. Zora, I want to thank you so much for being with us today. I, I've learned a lot, and I've had a good time. I, I had a good time meeting you. Honestly, I, I, I would love I've to have you back on. I'd love, oh, I hope so. I'd love Can I, just, I just wrote a poem after I finished my book, and in my book I have little silly poems. May I read this in closing? Yes, please. Okay. It's called, I wrote a book. Look, 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 I wrote a book. It's all about me and how I see. Born legally blind, school was a grind. When the words on the blackboard I did not see, I didn't know how to speak up for me. Book print became smaller as soon as I started to grow taller. At gym, my classmates were mean. Nobody wanted me on their team. I did not want to be seen or heard. In class, I never spoke a word. I made it through school by following the golden rule. Excellent. 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 Thank that's, you. That's amazing. Zora? Well, I, yes. You, you, you're, truly, you're truly a treasure. I mean, you're, it's amazing. And again, I, I feel blessed to have met you, honestly. And I, I feel the same about you, Jimmy. So I want to thank you again for being here today. And again, I, I definitely want to have you back on. I like it because I'm sure, believe me, I know for a fact, you have a lot more that you're going to do. <laughs> well, thank you. That 18-mile that that around, around your community is going to get boring <laughs> to you. I know that. 
I imagine you'll be climbing trees or something next. <laughs> well, I did that as a kid because my brother told me to. <laughs> yeah, as a kid, but I'm talking about now. I can imagine you like rock climbing somewhere or something like that and taking pictures. But I'd like to thank you again, and I'll talk to you again real soon. Okay, this has been very enjoyable, and thank you, and I thank your audience for listening. Thank you. Well, was I right? Is Zora phenomenal or what? Well, listen, in the show notes for this podcast, I'm going to have the link for her book, Who is Zora, Sight Unseen, and the link for her website where you can get your free gift. So make sure you check out the show notes for this podcast. And I want to thank Zora for being with us today. And I want to thank you for being here today. Now, I also want to let you know, If you have a book or you know somebody that has a book or a song or whatever and they want to come on this podcast, they can write to me at jimmy at famousapple.com and we can discuss that. Now, I want to also remind you that this podcast, An Apple a Day, is brought to you by www.famousapple.com. That's the home site for this podcast. And while you're tripping around the web, make sure you stop by famousapple.com forward slash group. That brings you to the group page for this podcast that's Living with a Disability on Facebook. So go over there, check that out as well. And remember this, my friends, no matter what, things can always be worse. That's right. Right now, there's somebody somewhere wishing that they were in your position. So things can always be worse, no matter what. Again, I want to thank you for stopping by today. I want to thank Zora for stopping by today. And I'll talk to you again in a few days. Have a great one, my friends. Take care. You've been listening to An Apple A Day, and my name is Jimmy Apple. Thanks for listening to An Apple A Day with Jimmy Apple, your gateway to a happy, healthy life. Join our community at www.famousapple.com. See you next time.